It's Monday, March 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, Seth Jason. Hey, hey. We both survived St. Patrick's Day. I didn't even know it was happening. I was going to say we weren't really at risk. Although I, I quit drinking, so I don't. I don't know when any. Since all holidays in the U.S. now seem to involve getting completely plastered. Not all of them. Not all of them. But you know, any port in a storm, I suppose. Um, we're going to dig into some earnings, and it's earnings in air quotes. Um, and we're going to we're going to talk Uber and Lyft, which are gearing up to go public next month. <laughs> you need double air, double triple air quotes for earnings there. Yeah, um, let's start with Overstock dot com. Uh, fourth quarter results were such that. Uh, Stock down around twelve percent this morning. I'll be honest, down a long way over the last couple of years. Yeah, when I first saw this, my first thought was, "Oh, I think I had forgotten that Overstock was still around." Overstock, at once upon a time, had carved out an interesting, at least, attempt at a niche, which is look, people are selling stuff online, people are buying stuff online. Let's do that too, and we're going to do that, and we're going to sell stuff at a discount because um, inventory management is hard, and you end up with uh, stuff being overstocked. And it never really ended up being that business, right? That was almost that was like a microsecond. It just turned into a kind of a regular uh, online retailer. Third-party fulfillment is sort of the way everyone has gone. So you're competing with oh, I don't know, eBay. Amazon, AliExpress, Alibaba, everybody, right? So that's a tough business. Um, not helping Overstock is it, uh, uh, Mr. Byrne, my good old friend. We have such a colorful history together. Patrick Byrne. I know he hasn't CEO. attempted to destroy me for a long time, so I can't wait for the email. Well, let's not break. Let's not break that record today. He can't seem to decide what he wants the company to be. Now he always uh, tried to get uh, points for direct. Uh, Direct communication and uh, the my fellow shareholders from this release is, is earns some of that and it's uh, let's see our retail arm lost money last year because I gunned things in an attempt to create a conventional high growth money losing e commerce business but the losses were nauseating and we reverted back to the philosophy of profitability. Um, they also are you know it's kind of trying to shop the online business so I guess maybe the Trying to gun the accelerator and sell more stuff and lose money on it was hopefully a way to uh, attract a, a nice price for that, but it didn't work out very well. They did spend a lot, if you go through the t- uh, the 10K on advertising, and it didn't translate into very much of a top end growth figure. And so they're going back to uh, trying to just <clears throat> at least eke out some cash flow profitability. In the meantime, all of this. Uh, Bitcoinish stuff they've been doing, blockchainish stuff is is just really, it's not even the trend anymore, and so that's all housed in something called Medici Ventures, which is uh, for those who aren't familiar, described in the filings as uh, the strategy is to develop and advance the concept of government as a service and a technological stack for civilization. Now, history note, uh, the Medici weren't never so interested in government as a service. It was always like government at our service, but you don't really realize it. So, they've got uh, some sort of interesting ideas, uh, and some of them even sound almost altruistic about you know helping Peruvian indigenous people you know stay uh, on the land and not let the mining companies have it. But in the meantime, it costs a lot of money and doesn't make any money, and that's where Overstock 
finds itself right now. Still, maybe we're going to sell our retail business. Maybe we're not. It still says in the filings. So, if you buy overstock stock, you really don't know what you're getting at this point. So, they hired Guggenheim Securities to help them sell off the retail arm. And as you said, this is <laughs> this maybe is, this is an <laughs> online retail company that's trying to pivot to being a leader in blockchain technology. And Which oh, is so three years ago now. <laughs> and oh, by the way, uh, they also announced they're laying off 250 people, which may not yeah. sound like a lot. That's, a, that's more than 10% of their workforce. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit of a mess, but uh, you know, some of us wouldn't have it any other way. It's it's good old overstock. Uh, as an investor, it's more fun to watch than own. I'll bet. So, do you think there is a price at which someone buys the retail arm? Because it's not. I wouldn't say overstock.com is a tarnished name in the eyes of consumers. It might be in the eyes of investors, and maybe yeah. a lot of investors, but know. to the eyes of consumers, I don't look at that as a tarnished brand. No, but what are you going to pay for an outfit that can return you know, $10 million in cash flow, uh, operating cash flow? A year, which is what they uh, say they want to do in the retail unit in 2019. What's that really worth? A not probably not growing ten million dollars in operating cash flow a year. Not free cash flow, operating cash flow. It sure ain't worth a few hundred million dollars. Let's move on to lumber liquidators. Uh, another fourth quarter report uh, featuring a loss. Um, Yet another kick right in the you know what? <sighs> Oof. Expenses up. 65%. Well, they have a whole lot of bad stuff going on, right? So they've, well, I put a lot of it behind them, right? Settled with the Department of Justice, now the SEC settlement, and another uh, lawsuit. And so that's going to be 97 million total. Some of that's already, I guess, on the balance sheet. It's not all cash, but it's still a big number. It's another 40 some million. They've got the liquidity with borrowings to cover it and cash flow. They should be able to get it through. Um, all this, you remember, comes because they were supposedly poisoning everyone with formaldehyde. And uh, the little tidbit of, uh, that you get in the, the latest call is that of 83,000 test kits sent out to test this formaldehyde exposure, guess how many of them came back as exceeding those World Health Organization standards for safety? 1%? Zero. <laughs> Zero. So you might say that this was much ado about nothing, um, except that the stock got killed because the brand got killed. Uh, and so it's still being killed. Nowadays, it might uh, maybe should be called vinyl liquidators because that is the trend apparently in flooring, vinyl plank flooring, which I love by the way. It looks like it looks like the uh, what's the word I'm like the pergo laminate. You know, it looks like that kind of stuff. But it's I think it's a little more durable. It's easier to put down. Price points are lower. Luckily, uh, the margins are good, but they're selling a lot of that. But in the meantime, you've got a pretty crummy housing market, not helping. Home Depot, not helping. Tariffs, uh, you got a 10% tariff bite, maybe going up to 25%. I'm sure the folks at Lumber Liquidators are tired of all that winning. And uh, in the meantime, you've got really not much top line growth at all. You've got some installation uh, services growth. But you have a drop in merchandise sales and a drop in the comp. They're still opening stores. The story isn't good there. And I think they're trying to have a high touch flooring model at a low price. And for a while, they were doing great with it. And then everything fell apart. And maybe there's just, maybe that's just not a business. Maybe you've got Home Depot and maybe you've got higher end. They're trying to be higher end as well. But it's just it it hasn't worked for a few years which you know my stock is way down but sometimes things happen 
sometimes stuff outside your control happens, like somebody sues you and claims you're poisoning people, even though you're not. And sometimes the business just doesn't work, and maybe we have both here. When you look at lumber liquidators, and this is a stock that five years ago was around $100 a share, today it's around $9 a share. It seems like there is a path forward, but they better get there pretty quickly because I don't know how many more quarters like this. And even if even if you take out sort of the the one time legal charges, or at least well, those are huge right now. Yeah. So that's one. You get rid of that, you should be able to to eke out a, a small cash flow situation going forward. And they they do do a pretty good job selling this stuff when people come in the door, but. Folks aren't coming in the door for various reasons. It's the market, it's the reputation, it's all of those things. And so I don't see a lot of growth there. I, I still own the shares, but you know, I they're just on the they're just in the deep freeze. Uh, two quick questions. One, um, is opening more stores the answer? And two, how badly do they need a rebrand? Because it, it, Lumber it, liquidator sounds like a terrible name, right? But people do know it. Well, they know it, but if it made more sense when the business was lumber, and as you said, as, well, it was as, never, yeah, it was as, never really that. But as they but, move to, you know, the vinyl yeah. uh, option, it, it maybe that's the move. I don't know. I think you, I think you have to keep the name because that's that's all you have left. I think. I don't know. I think it's just on a slow, a slow, very low simmer, and you see what happens. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't be buying shares right now. Okay. It's tough, tough for me to imagine that they're suddenly going to kickstart growth. But I don't. I mean, who, who would you expect to kickstart growth in this segment? We had Tile Shop, right? That was another uh, old hidden gems pick that was doing great for a while. Also, just eh. flooring is a tough business. Lots of competition. You're competing with locals, or you're competing with Home Depot, and these chains that did well for a long time all hit a just ran into a wall. We talked a little bit about this on Motley Fool Money over the weekend. I wanted to get your thoughts on this, and it's uh, presumably in the month of April we're going to have both Lyft going public and Uber going public. Hooray! Uh, Lyft has uh, well, as someone who has to you know come into a studio and and talk every day, I, I'm saying hooray! I'm yeah. excited about this. Now, not necessarily running out to buy the shares, but from a content standpoint, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah. Um, this is all we're going to talk about. <laughs> well, that's not all we're going to talk about, but it does. I, I am struck by the fact that. Lyft appears to be yes. Lyft is a smaller company. They appear to be a little bit more conservative in what they're About trying to like do. One fourth or one fifth one revenue fifth. right now. And Uber is looking to go public at a valuation of 120 billion dollars, which Lyft put, is looking for like 20ish billion. Yeah. And uh, look, God bless the people at Uber if they earn the valuation of being bigger than Costco mm-hmm. or being bigger than Amgen. But yeah. uh, that's losing. that also seems While like losing a lot more money. Well, yeah, and also as investors who like to see a runway and hopefully a runway that goes for a long time, it's hard for me to get excited about any IPO. It's any, already that big. That's already that big. It is tough for me to get excited about this business because. So many others who who have advantages along the lines of also being able to make cars have looked at this and said, we can't really make a ride-sharing, ride-service work economically, and they've gotten out of this business. And um, so, you get this weird situation where you have large companies 
with some interesting technology and other advantages who are saying, we're not going to touch this. And then you have these companies like Lyft and Uber that have been burning venture capital for years, uh, and everyone's all excited to plow uh, IPO money into them. Uh, and the end of the, the cash burning is, is sort of nowhere in sight. And so, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a pretty tough decision to make, I guess. Well, I, I, I envision them as sort of like, it's sort of like running a race in a fog. You can't really see in front of you, and you don't know if you're going straight ahead and someone's going to hand you a wad of money that'll be, you know, that'll be great, or if you're just going to run off the edge of a cliff. That's that's what investing in one of these looks like to me. Um, you know, uh, to talk about Lyft, who has a the registration statement out at least, you can get a few numbers at this point. And uh, riders and revenue per active uh, rider has been improving nicely. You're looking at like 18.6 million riders, and they're just U.S. right, um, and 36 bucks a rider. Their revenue is about two billion. Uber's revenue almost 12 billion in 2018, but they're both losing a lot of money, and those losses are, are getting bigger. And they're both trying to get into this bike and scooter thing, which has got its own challenges, uh, not the least of which is, you know, nobody. Wa- if nobody washes a rental car, you ought to take a look at what happens to these scooters. <laughs> I read somewhere that the average life of those scooters was 45 days or something. So, hey, you environmentalists out there who are totally into that, if that's true, that is the biggest waste I have ever seen. Can I just uh, let's put a pin in this for a second? Can I just say that, and we've got in in the greater DC area a bunch of these scooter rental things, and happening. many have already pulled out. Well, the thing that strikes me about them is uh, not to sound like an old man, but uh, the lack of helmets. Well, you have to you now like, let's now let's the, the, you have to tell the app that you're wearing a helmet and that you know not to ride it on the sidewalk, which everybody does, and then they, do you they have proceed to do? yeah apparently, and then they proceed to ride it on the sidewalk with no helmet. I, I have never not seen somebody on the sidewalk with one of these things. Well, to go back to how we started this episode <laughs> with St. Patrick's Day uh, yesterday, going down the main drag in, here in Old Town Alexandria, um, a guy um, who looked and sounded like someone who had had a couple of drinks uh, on his scooter, not on the sidewalk, right there on King Street. Um, well, that's where he's supposed to be, at least. One hand on the wheel, uh, or on the steering, and the other hand holding uh, the six-pack that he was transporting. Hmm. Yeah, I have a... As a guy who who builds a bike or two, I have my I've never really liked scooters of any kind because they're really really twitchy and easy to crash. So I have my wonder about what's going to happen with those. But you know they're trying to get a, uh, an encompassing ecosystem, and so while the goals uh, that they they put forward in the registration statement, um, speaking about lift here, are sound laudable. At the same time, you've got you know these. Uh, you know, Lyft is trying to democratize ride sharing. It's you know one corporate dictatorship at a time is what came to mind today because of course the founders are going to control 50% of the shares by having special shares that give them 20 votes, and everybody seems to just accept that. But it doesn't always work out great when your founders get to kind of do whatever they want because they fear no repercussions. I'm thinking about Under Armour. You had Kevin Plank sort of steer that business into the dirt. And you read later on that, oh, well, he was, you know, he was making a rye distillery and he was, you know, petting racehorses and doing all this other stuff. When you thought, wait a minute, I thought you were trying to make Under Armour a better company. So I not really a fan of those kinds of arrangements. So is Lyft doing the move that Evan Spiegel did with Snap, where they're going to go public with dual class 
shares? Got A and B, yeah. From what I from what I understand from going through it quickly today, the founder shares will have twenty votes for sh- twenty votes per share, and everybody else will get uh, one vote, and that equates to roughly fifty percent of the voting uh, voting share to the two founders. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong, but that's what I saw. So. It- Uber's it's not uh, as high as some, I would say. Absolutely, Uber has not filed their S one yet, so we we haven't seen their numbers. What is something that people should be looking for when that S one comes out? Because that that seems like uh, documentation that a lot of people are going to want to get their hands on. And what what is what is something not necessarily like oh this would be encouraging, but just like what what are one or two sections of the S one that people should check out? You know, it'd be interesting if they broke out a little bit better uh, how these new uh, businesses like the bikes and scooters, how much those are sucking uh, off out of the company. Because there's a couple of pretty large companies, including like the largest food delivery outfit in China, that said we're not doing that uh, scooter thing anymore or bike thing, whichever it was. And um, I would be interested in knowing that because I feel like that's a business that has to has to disappear eventually. Um, I like the I like seeing the uh, the uh, dollars per rider. I think is interesting. What's what's missing is probably, and it'll probably remain missing. But maybe you can find enough clues if you is is a roadmap to some kind of profitability. In other words, if if you're getting your growth and the growth is still pretty high, but you're spending, you know, if you've got two billion dollars in revenue, but it's costing you eight hundred million in uh, advertising. That's not sustainable over the long term, and presumably at some point you don't have to advertise the the, the rush for members or to kind of the market share grab will hopefully end at some point in time. Um, but it shows no sign right now. The fight is still going on, and then you've got in the future. It's easy to say, well, they've both they, between them they've already split up the market, right? There's a couple of small competitors, but you know we're going to have a Waymo and some others try to come out with autonomous rideshare programs, which would conceivably get rid of one very large expense, which is paying drivers. So there's a, an entirely different kind of competition on the horizon. I guess you'd argue for Uber that hey, they are their own self-driving car initiative, but I I think they're probably in one of those last place positions there. Thanks for being here. Mm-hmm. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.